This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast with your hosts, Scott Walker and Jamie Davis, Episode 204. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy and Sci-Fi Reads. I'm here with my co-host, urban and cozy fantasy author, Scott Walker. Scott, we've uh, we've talked a lot about a lot of odd things in between um, the episode recording and this uh, opening recording, so we'll have to get into that. But before we do that, what are you working on right now? I know you've got a new project you just started. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if it's quote-unquote new. Uh, it's definitely been in the works for a while. But I was able to finish plotting out book one in my Cozy Vales series. So I'm a few thousand words into that book already. I'm also concurrently writing the uh, travelogue for Cozy Vales as well. So I'm parallel tracking those two books. And for my Manhattan Magic Urban Fantasy series, I've got book three that's up for pre-order. Um, I dabble with that editing wise i'm polishing that at this point so that goes live in april available for pre-order right now um but i I have to be honest like i'm one of these guys who keeps eyeing the the starfield uh february like we're gonna start dropping new content maybe some new quests maybe some new npcs and so i haven't played probably since i got back home from the holidays kind of excited to see what they end up dropping because if it ends up being anything at all like Fallout 76, Starfield could be an amazing game in a year or two. And I remember being unhappy with Fallout 76 when it launched, and then all this free content dropped for years and years and years, and it got to be an amazing game. I've got my fingers crossed that Bethesda can pull out a similar rabbit out of their hat with Starfield. This is the month that's supposed to be happening. Well, we'll see. It actually got me excited too. So I, I, I feel you. Um, but um, I've also uh, got, I, I got getting prepared to launch uh, Cluster Command next week. That's book eight in the Lone Wolf Squadron series. That comes out uh, on the 28th of February. And uh, then right after that, I am taking off on a trip with my wife for book research. We're going to actually go to Scotland where I am researching book 10 in my extreme medical services series paramedic dean flynn is going on a like swap with other paramedics in scotland they're going to come to the u.s and he's going over there and we're going to talk about they're going to be doing supernatural paramedic stuff but in scotland and i'm going there to do some research for a week uh i'm going to see some old castles and walk through some old scottish towns and and really just immerse myself in the whole thing. And my wife's coming along on the trip with me to help take pictures and keep track of everything we do. So I'm excited about that. And and I uh, am blessed all the time for having my wife. We were talking before the show about how um, I definitely married up in in that relationship. So I'm I'm thankful about uh, Amy all the time. Uh, As am I, believe me, I feel the exact same way. Um, so I guess that means you do not need an assistant on this trip. No, no I have, I have, oh, and I'm, shoot. she's not an assistant. I'm more like her assistant. She just keeps me <laughs> straight. So it's going to be fun. We're, we're looking forward to it and, and I'll have more. If you want to follow what's going on there, head over to the Jamie's fun fantasy readers, Facebook group. I'll be posting pictures from the trip over there as we're traveling and um, try to keep up at least some semblance of a travel log while we're all, while we're away. That's awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, why don't we get into this week's episode? Our guest this week is Sarah Cannon. Uh, Sarah is the indie author of close to 30 young adult contemporary fantasy novels, including her best-selling Shadow Demons saga. Her novels are inspired by her love of gaming, anime, and shows like Buffy and Veronica Mars. So if you love fast-paced stories with lots of twists, you'll probably love Sarah's books. With over one million books sold, Sarah is also passionate about helping fellow authors learn to self-publish and manage their time in a way that puts joy and creativity at the forefront. She is the host of the successful YouTube channel Heart Breathings, where she talks about everything from productivity to plotting. Sarah lives in the Dallas area with her very supportive husband and their two children. Awesome. Cannot wait to chat with her. I have had one or two brief interactions with her, and I'm dying to learn more about her writing. Let's do this. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are? Hey, thank you so much for having me on. This is so much fun. I am Sarah Cannon. I am an indie published author of so far 27 novels. I write mostly young adult and new adult contemporary fantasy, lots of portal fantasy and sort of fast-paced coming-of-age type stories. And I live in the Dallas area, have two young children, and I also have a couple YouTube channels where I teach authors how to self-publish and manage their time. So those are kind of my main passions. Yeah, you do an awful lot. You're, <laughs> you've got you've got a lot of irons in the fire, which, which makes your nonfiction stuff make a lot of sense because I don't know how you achieve what you do. It's insane. <laughs> sometimes still feels like it's not enough. And I was just talking to my husband today about, oh, I want to add this Ream subscription. And now I'm starting to wonder if adding a membership is going to be like a whole new full-time job. Because <laughs> there's, you know, there's a, when you have a lot of interests, it's easy to get your hands in a lot of things. And so then it becomes about how do I sustain this and not burn myself out? Yeah, burnout is for sure a thing. Before we get too deep into this, though, we have a couple of questions. We usually start off each interview with, uh, and it kind of gives our listeners an, uh, a bit of a context for the author. Can you share with us, if you remember, the moment when and why you decided to start writing fiction or nonfiction? You can pick either one. You know, I have very clear memories of this moment because I always wanted to write. It was something I wrote in journals from five years old. I was writing in small journals. I still have my very first ever journal. It was a Hello Kitty journal that had the little lock on it, five years old. And I loved telling stories. But when it came to college and things like that, I decided to pursue singing. And I was an opera singer for a while and became a music teacher and was teaching elementary school. But I just started to approach my 30th birthday and realized this is not the life I really want for myself. And it really had me questioning, what do I want in my life? And I had recently met someone, my husband now, but back then, boyfriend, new person, um, it, playing a video game. And he really wanted me to move closer to him. And he was like, you know, quit your job. And if you could do anything in the world you want to do, what would you do? And I didn't even take a second to think about it. It was not something I had spent a lot of time thinking of. And I just said, I want to be a writer. And it, it was, I still remember, I was standing in the woods back behind my parents' house where I grew up. And it was just this moment, like my whole body lit up of like, oh my gosh, 
This is what I've always wanted to do. And I finally said it out loud. And it it was a pivotal moment in my life. I've always been a storyteller of one sort or another. And I know a similar moment where I made the decision to to move away from something else I was doing and, and go into writing full time. And it it is electrifying. And when it's the right thing, it's the right thing for sure. Yeah. It's scary. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, like, for oh, sure. You know, I know how to make money as a teacher. How do I make money as a writer? That was, it was scary, but I knew it was right. Well, what yeah. do you love most about writing? What do you love most about pulling those stories and those characters and those things together for readers? I love just the idea of, I think it's why I write a lot of contemporary fantasy and portal fantasy is I love this idea of it's everyday people up against extraordinary things and having to really dig deep inside themselves to find what is the essence of who they truly are in order to overcome something. And I think finding that connection and that excitement of hopefully making the reader also feel like, well, if they can accomplish this, I can accomplish anything in my life too. But, you know, in a more subtle kind of way. And that that really is sort of becomes the theme of my whole life and all my writing is just how do you become the person you were meant to be? And I love that. But I also, in terms of writing, I love the discovery of it because it feels so much like magic where you have to trust that process of like, how is this all going to come together? I don't know. And then suddenly there's just this aha moment of where it suddenly comes together and it makes everything you've been working on make sense. And it's like, I didn't do this on purpose. So how did this happen? And you know, it's the subconscious mind like working on things for so long. And when that moment, when it just clicks into place is for me, one of the most magical things in life. Yep. Totally agree. For me, um, I don't play golf and I'm not a big sports guy, but I use that hole in one Mm -hmm. um, analogy. It's like, oh, that's the thing that keeps you coming back. In this yeah. case, it keeps you coming back to the keyboard because you want to you want to have that aha moment where you're like, didn't see this coming, wasn't in the plot, wasn't in the outline, have no idea where it came from, but oh my gosh, chef's kiss, this is amazing. This is it. Yeah, like it was just always meant to be that way. I talk about it in terms of, you know, if you think about like an old bank robber, like listening in on the tumblers as they move in the lock and it's like you get that last one to click into place and you pull the handle and you open the safe that's the moment for me is that like moment where it actually unlocks and you open it. And sometimes it's book three in a series before you realize why you wrote something into book one, but you just knew it was meant to be there. And having that level of faith and hopefully, you know, the readers feel that too, when they're reading through, they're like, Oh, I, I knew that was important, but now I finally get to see how that comes back around. It's really exciting. It, it's that scary moment of when you, you, you say, I've got it. I know there's a solution to this, but I don't know what it is yet. And I'm going to just keep writing and the character will figure it out. And when they do, it's like, it's so wonderful that that came You didn't know it a second ago, but somehow the character figured it out when you were writing it down. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's so fun. And I, it's one of the things, the twists and turns, that's one of the things I love most about writing is always putting in those things people don't expect or, raising the stakes a little bit or twisting something on its head. I also really love taking a character that people hate and making them fall in love with them. Like 
over the course of a series. Once you start to show why they are the way they are and that transformation, that's another fun thing for me. <laughs> Take those people that you you thought were villains and, you know, obviously the big bad villain is going to stay big bad forever. Probably they're unredeemable most of the time in my stuff, but I like putting in those characters that are sort of in a gray zone and then really showing you who they are and making you fall in love with them. That's fun. You, you've talked about a couple of elements, common elements you like to have in your books, you know, ordinary people facing extraordinary challenges. Um, you like twists and subverting tropes, it sounds like. Overall, in general, what can readers expect when they pick up a Sarah Cannon book? What, what type of experiences are you aiming for for your readers when you sit down to write a book? Yeah, that's a good question. I write fast-paced, so I want a reader to be up as late, like one, just one more chapter. Okay, one more, just one more. And so I really work hard to or spend a lot of time thinking about how do I end a chapter to move on to that next piece that it's going to resonate and it's going to make you want to turn that page. So I always want my readers to come in ready to just read it from front to back in one sitting as often as possible. And then I also, I really want people to feel like they've literally taken a portal into my books. Like you can see everything so clearly that you can feel everything this character is feeling. And so I, I'm not actually a heavily descriptive writer where I go in and describe like exactly what someone's clothing is. Sometimes I don't even tell you exactly what a character looks like, but I'm, I describe a lot of the emotion and you get a lot of that. I feel like I'm in this character's head, seeing the world from this person's point of view. And so I, a lot of my readers will say, it feels like I'm in a movie when I'm reading your books. And I really like that about that. So it wasn't something I was doing intentionally. It's just, I think my writing style. And so the more I learn that people love that about it, the more I lean into that. But people can definitely expect a lot of uh, twists and turns, a lot of found family and, you know, feeling like you're always reaching for your best self. I think people can always expect those things for me. Lots of magic systems. <laughs> I, I love elemental magic. I love um, like magical items. So I write a lot of magical items like gemstones or jewels or necklaces or keys and things like that because I think that's really fun. Like hidden doorways and, um, you know, secret twins and things like that. I'm, 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 I don't know. I think those kind of things are really fun. So everything I think is fun, I put in. <laughs> That's awesome. And to get, let's get specific about it. Let's talk a little bit about the Shadow Demon saga. Um, this series, you started writing a while ago. I mean, it's been, a, I mean, 11 books over 10 years or so or more even. Um, yeah. And you've got quite a series there. Tell us a little bit about the genesis of it and, and how you describe that to somebody when you're talking to a new reader and say, this is the series for you. Yeah, you know, when I first had that moment of I want to be a writer, that there wasn't a lot of indie publishing. Like, I don't even know if Kindle was out yet, but if it was, it wasn't something anyone was really, I think this was like 2007. So when did the Kindle start? 2007 or eight, somewhere around there, maybe. And that was like really early adopters. So I was thinking traditional publishing. And so the first few things that I wrote were very much not really what I felt like I was meant to be writing. It was more other people telling me, well, if you want to sell, this is the kind of thing you need to write. And so I spent years really 
trying to hone the craft, learning as much as I could, you know, writing different things. And it wasn't until I got a, I wrote a sort of a zombie series that I did eventually rewrite and publish that I was writing specifically because I thought it was something this one particular agent might like. And I was writing it with her in mind and she rejected it. It was the only agent I ever submitted to. And I had so many friends that were telling the same story about, I have books I've written for years and years, can't seem to get a deal. And I had been paying attention to writers like Amanda Hawking and Joe Conrath and people that were getting started self-publishing and thinking, maybe I, maybe this is really what I want to do. But it was scary because at the time there was no real proof or evidence that you could make a career out of it. And a lot of people believed that if you self-published, you were dead forever in tra- traditional publishing, nobody will touch you. Um, and we, cor- of course, know that turned out to be a very different story in, in the long run. But it was that rejection for that story that I just went, you know what, I'm going to do this on my own. And I actually went and had the word believe tattooed on my wrist saying, I'm going to believe in myself and I'm going to self-publish and I'm just going to write whatever I think is fun, what I want to write. So then I sat down and was like, oh my gosh, if I have the whole world of anything I could write, what do I want to write? And I didn't know for sure. So I started a bunch of vision boards and other things like that. And it's kind of funny because it's like Netflix is, is, you know, wasting time, right? But I was binge watching stuff on Netflix just for fun. And I was actually like making a quilt and binge watching. And I got into Veronica Mars And I loved that character, snarky, outcast cheerleader that's been, you know, thrown to the wayside because of things her father did, but she investigates things in her high school. And she's like, I just loved it. And so I thought, huh, what if I wrote a story about a Veronica Mars style, snarky outcast girl, but she uses magic to solve mysteries. And that was the first idea. And I thought, okay, I'm going for it. And never dreamed in a million years that it would be like 20 books of side stories and like more than a decade of my life, like never in a million. I thought I'm going to write a trilogy and it'll be fun little mysteries. And the first book is really simple in that way. It's a high school girl. She's in foster care. She gets moved to this home for troubled girls and she gets accused of murdering a fellow cheerleader or a a girl that is a cheerleader there. And she has to solve the mystery to prove it wasn't her. And she has these powers her whole life she couldn't explain. So it's a very simple kind of mystery structure. But the more I started writing it, the more I was like, oh, my ideas just started to blossom, like all these different things. And, you know, it eventually turned into just like a life's work kind of of thing. So now there's spinoff series, there's, um, you know, 11 books in the main series. And by the time you get to book seven in the series, we're out to four plus points of view. And there's some stuff happens in the human world and some stuff happens in the shadow demon world. And now we've got a fae world that comes in later. So it just grew and grew. And so I, I guess really at its core, it starts out as a coming of age, um, coming of age sort of found family mystery, magical series in a way. I just call it mostly young adult paranormal or young adult contemporary fantasy. And there's a strong romantic element too, although I wouldn't call it a romance. And, uh, it really grows into true portal fantasy by the end of it. And it's, it's really broadened not only my skill set, but my, um, 
my imagination so much has just had a, a field day with it. But in terms of the vision of it, I know that was a long, long explanation, but you know, it just goes to show that sometimes you may think something is a small idea and it can turn into something that just kind of takes over your whole, your whole life. Because I do have another spinoff series that will be coming out um, later this year, plus the final book in that main series will be out this year. So it's, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big deal. And every author, I think, has a, a different approach, different process. Some start with a concept for a plot, some start with the characters, some start with a world or a setting. It sounds like you had this kind of idea for a character and some kind of a concept, and then it just blew up into this really massive world. How do you keep it all straight? I have a wiki. So it's private. It's not something anyone else can see. But I realized early on, probably book moving into book three, when I in, start introducing some other towns and different, I have crow shifters in my series. So once I started kind of seeing, oh, I'm going to have different types of beings and not just demons, but crows and werewolves and other things like that. Okay, we got to get this straight so that I don't have to, because what I started doing was every new book I would start to read, I would be going back to the old book and like searching through, what did I say about this? And I was like, okay, I need to, I need to get on this. So I started with a binder and then that was too difficult. You can't really search and find in a binder. <laughs> so I started a wiki page for myself, just a private wiki. And that has been extremely helpful. So I have like every detail of my story world in there. And I I kind of have a feeling that I'll be writing in this world for a really long time. So it's important to keep those details straight. But I, I can't keep them all straight in my head. It's I got to have a database because there's just too much over too long of a period of time. It's, it's, I have a long series too, that goes out to, it's out to nine books now. And I have a 10th idea in my head already for, for that, but it is hard to keep all of the things straight and all the, the side characters and the little situations that happen along the way that you might revisit later in, in the series. So it's so hard to keep track of that. I'm curious about Harper though. Like you, you said, you know, Veronica Mars kind of inspired that idea of this, this, you know, crime solving high schooler. Um, how much of you is there in Harper? You know, th it's such a hard question too, because I think, I don't know if you guys feel this way about your stuff, but it's like you, you put so much of yourself into your books, even if it's not a specific character, it's just a, way that you've felt in the past or something that hurt that you're working through or, or anything like that. And I, I think that's part of it. And I, I, growing up, I grew up in a small town and Peachville is the town that I set these books in originally is just a made up town in Georgia. There is no Peachville, but uh, it seemed appropriate because there's a lot of like peach tree stuff in Atlanta and the peach is the Georgia peach. And I grew up in Georgia. So like when I see them coming down the road and there's the house. That is my road where I grew up. But I grew up in a log cabin that my dad built. So it's not this like old white, you know, house or whatever that's been there for antebellum period or whatever. Um, it's very different, but it's definitely my childhood growing up in those woods, the way that Harper's there in those woods. And also she, you know, she never met her parents and she's been in foster care just 
always getting into trouble because she has these powers and other things just always misunderstood and nobody really gives her a chance. That is not at all what my experience growing up was like. But what is similar is this feeling of not really feeling like you belong. And that's the way I felt growing up always. It's like when you grow up in a small town, you're either popular or you're on the outs. And it's a very different kind of game than when you maybe grow up in a bigger school where kind of everybody finds their people. And I was in the same class with the same people from kindergarten to graduation. And, you know, if you weren't popular by kindergarten, you know, you didn't get in the right crowd, you were just never going to be popular. And I was not a popular person. And so I always felt like I didn't get invited to the things I was, you know, had various experiences with people that were really difficult in terms of that sort of feeling like you belong. And so Harper feels that. And that is part of what drives her in that first few books is she doesn't belong. But then when they find out who she really is, they they include her. And it's sort of a betrayal of self to be like, oh, now that you include me, I'm going to be like you. And I think that's something a lot of... I think it's something a lot of teenagers go through is like, do I stay true to myself and just be who I am? Or do I sort of betray myself to be the popular person, to be the person they want me to be? But it's also something I think a lot of us, like more my age, can say, oh, I remember what that felt like. And so there, there's a lot of that in there. And I also am somebody who, at this stage in my life, I don't really have a lot of family. I have um, gone mostly no contact with most of my family. And so this idea of found family and that you choose the people that you're with, that you really consider your family, is always, you'll find that in all of my books because it's such a core part of my own experience. Did, did you, you said it, at the very beginning, you had no idea where the series would go and what journey Harper would eventually end up taking. But looking back on it, I mean, do you feel like your life experiences as you as you age and mature, stepping into a full time relationship, married, kids, like is Harper being is 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 your journey being reflected in Harper's journey? Not that she's necessarily getting married and having kids, but maybe a different view on life, maybe a slightly different take on things from when she was younger. I don't know how much she's aging across the series. So maybe that's not applicable. Yeah, I think it is applicable. I mean, even though my books are still slated in YA by book 11, these characters, well, some of them are hundreds of years old. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of, it's sort of strange how that works sometimes when it's like a someone who's uh, 300 years old who's still in high school. <laughs> But we do see that a lot in YA with demons and vampires and other things like that. So I definitely kind of play on that trope. But Harper is like 15, just about to be 16 when we first meet her. And by the time you're in book 11, I never really say the exact timeline, but she's more like 19 or so. But she also, without giving spoilers, she also is having to step into leadership roles she never imagined that she would be in. And to be a leader in that way, I think is something that I also have kind of put on myself by, you know, moving into YouTube space and coaching and other things like that. And uh, yeah, even as a mom, it's like you, you find that you are stepping into these places where you aren't so confident that you're doing a good, good job at everything that you're trying to do, but you know that this is who you were meant to be. And so you, you show up and do the best you can. So I think there, there's definitely some parallels there. 
Who are some of the authors that you feel most influenced you? You, you talked a little bit about doing a lot of reading and Netflix, next Netflix binging and things like that. What are some of the, the biggest influences on you as a writer? It's a, also a good question. I, uh, I have only really gotten into a love of fantasy, like adult fantasy novels, probably over the last five or six years. But when I read something like, you know, um, Song of Ice and Fire series or the Wheel of Time series, which we actually named our daughter Nynaeve after that series, it is... I'm so blown away by the talent of being able to weave so many different multiple points of view that people do in fantasy. And I, I really want to learn more and more how to do that. So that is a big influence on me now. Um, but I also really love um, psychological thrillers, which is of course a completely different genre like Gillian Flynn and um, you know, Karen Slaughter and uh, just like mystery thriller type authors, uh, a lot of female authors in that space that I really love, Lisa Jewell and and others like that, because I love the twists. It's just very different because it's like you've got one standalone novel with a big twist at the end. And I want to write 12 novels with the twist all the way through, you know, all these different twists all the way through. Um, but also a lot of young adult authors uh, like the Twilight series, Hunger Games, um, the Harry Potter series, Divergent and uh, Matched series, just so, so many that I devoured when I was just getting started as a writer and a few years before Holly Black, just anybody that I could get a hold of that was writing these types of fantastical um, words, worlds that you just, at least a trilogy or even longer series that you could just feel like you were a part of. I really, really wanted to recreate that in my own writing. So there's a lot of my favorites there. Um, and I, you know, continuing to try to pick up even more new authors as often as possible, because I feel like there's no greater teacher than our fellow authors to teach us how to do better at what we do. Yeah, I agreed. And related, you know, you do have a lot of nonfiction writing and courses, and you're you're heavily engaged online with your your readers on the fiction side, and with your um, I'm not sure what you call your your collective group for heart breathings, but that community that you've <laughs> they, created. They named you themselves um, a few years ago. I, th- I guess it was probably I started that channel, that YouTube channel, in 2018, and by 2020, um, everybody was calling themselves the Hardies. So nice. it's like me, Hardy, you know, I had this pirate necklace too, which was really fun. But um, the so that's my Hardy's group. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't, I don't have a name yet for my Sarah Cannon group. Sometimes I we we have groups and we just say Sarah Cannon's coven because I write witches so often. Uh, but yeah, we don't have a, like a name for my Sarah Cannon fans. But okay, we'll for, for all the Sarah Cannon fans out there, I think you've got some homework to do. Yeah. Come up with a name. <laughs> I do have in my Shadow Demon Saga, the children in the shadow world, which really is like up until they're 60 years old or so, they're still children, um, are called shadowlings. And so sometimes I'll call them shadowlings. But then I'm like, hmm, I don't know that I want to call them children because (laughs) women my age do. So, but they they do like that. It's kind of fun. It's fun to think about your online group communities. And that's definitely a core value for me is community. And when my husband first asked me, like, why do you want to be a writer? It wasn't, oh, because I want to make a lot of money or I want to be famous or I want to be in bookstores or any of that. It was just, 
I want to make people feel like they're a part of something greater than just themselves. And that's what reading has always done for me is making me feel like I'm a part of this world. I'm a part of something greater, this fandom or this, this community. And I wanted to recreate that. That's very cool. I, most of our guests are fiction writers straight up. They don't dive into nonfiction. How has your nonfiction work and experiences considering that happens so much later compared to your fiction journey, how has that influenced your fiction or has it? It's made it more difficult, sadly. <laughs> and I I think that, you know, readers, my readers don't really understand that fully because when I first started, I was just an author, which again, when you're self-publishing, <laughs> there is no just an author, really. It's, you know, you're a business as well. And there's a lot that goes into it, but that was my main focus was the books and what I found was because I was early in on self-publishing and I was so passionate about it as a path, I was talking about it a lot at conferences and other things. And um, I used, my husband used to say I was an indie author ambassador because I was just always like pulling people over and telling them how great it was and um, wrote a lot of blog posts about it and stuff. And so that naturally led to me spending a lot of time individually with people asking me questions. And again, I know I'm talking about my husband a lot, but he's like such a pivotal person to like always the voice of reason. He was like, you're spending so much time in private DMs and emails and, you know, teaching people this, you should just put it on YouTube. And that way you'll save so much time by being able to just point people to these videos and that, again, is similar to the way my series erupted. It like, did not at all turn into a handful of how-to videos. It turned into a, another passion of, oh, I really enjoy helping people and, and sharing what I know and letting people know they're not alone in this whole crazy business. And um, so it became something that I started to spend more and more and more and more time on. And so it has made it difficult over the last really couple of years in particular, as I've started more courses and other things, it's made it really difficult to find the time and creative energy for the writing. And so last year I started back kind of on a rediscovery journey of how do I get back to being a writer without giving up this other piece that I love as well? And how do I do them both? And I've been told by people that you just simply can't. And I'm like, well, I'm going to figure it out <laughs> because I'm passionate about both of them. And I I, I don't want to, I know if I were to ask myself, who are you? I'm at my core. I'm a writer, but I'm also a teacher and I, I want to do them. I want to do them both. So I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, but also I will say on a more practical level, the more I teach how to plot your novel, how to edit your novel, and the more I talk about it in a way that I'm trying to clarify my own ideas and process so that I can show someone else, the more I'm learning about how to do it myself, because, you know, the best way to learn something is to teach it. So I am hopefully going to be a better writer because of it. I think passion's your key, just, you know, unsolicited advice. But <laughs> I think, I think for you, the secret is that you're passionate about both those things. And I think that passion can drive you to be successful in both things. So I, I, it's not, I can hear it in your voice and I think that that's exciting for, for both things in your life. Yeah. So I think I just, 
Yeah. I need to just find, I need to unlock. Where's that safe where I unlock the final key of how to do it all. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I find that the more I can follow the thing that sparks inside me, the more joy I bring to it, the more successful it is. I think that's a great spot to wrap up. We've reached the point of the show where we kind of close things out and we have our no wrong answers section of the podcast. Now this is five rapid fire questions. There are literally no wrong answers. Just say the first thing that pops into your head. You can't get it wrong. I promise. I promise. (laughs) So if you're ready to go, I'll let Scott give you the first one. Okay. This is an easy one. What was the last video game you played? Oh, I'm playing a game called Little Hope. It's a Dark Pictures anthology. It's sort of a um, like choose your own adventure. I'm Twitch streaming it. This is kind of a new thing for me. I'm Twitch streaming every Thursday night. So I'll be playing the rest of that later tonight as we're recording this. So it's a fun game. Highly recommend. Awesome. Fictional character you'd like to meet in real life. Ooh, that's, oh gosh, now I have to think. I'm I'm supposed to rapid fire answer. Really and truly, I would love to meet Nynaeve. I mean, I know I named my daughter after her, but if I could meet a real like fiction, fictional character, I would love to meet Nynaeve because Wheel of Time is one of my favorite series. And just she's such a powerful, fiery, knows herself person. I just love her. I would love to chat with her about her magic and herbs and everything she knows. That would be very cool. Awesome. A little bit of research there too, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Next question. What book are you looking forward to reading next? You know, I am going to start reading the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard. It's a young adult series. It's actually kind of older. She's written a whole nother series since then, but it's a series that people just keep recommending to me over and over and over again for the twists and turns. And um, I think that she is an incredible author. So I'm, I've got, I picked them up. I've got them on my shelf. That's the ones I'm really looking forward to next. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Easy, right? Yeah, easy. <laughs> All right. Last question. What's your favorite place to write? Uh, I, I don't have a favorite place. I know that sounds kind of strange, but I have a favorite keyboard, <laughs> but I, I like to write in different places. Uh, Jamie, I know you try, you go around to coffee shops to write also. I, I just want to write in different places as often as possible. I love going and writing retreats, going to hotels, going to different coffee shops here and there. I have different places in my house where I write and, uh, I'm hoping to make this room that I'm in right now my favorite place to write, but it's still a work in progress. (laughs) Even after we've been here two years, it's still a work in progress to get it right. But I think uh, anywhere I can have access to Google and my favorite keyboard is my favorite place to write. (laughs) Perfect. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you tell folks how the best way for them to reach you or find you online? Absolutely. So if you want to come hang out with us on YouTube, my fan channel is just youtube.com slash Sarah Cannon. I'm live every Friday at 4 p.m. for a coffee chat, 4 p.m. Eastern. And that is such a fun. There's 
several thousand people that watch that every week and it's like the best community. So if you want to join in with some fellow fantasy lovers and, and uh, readers, that's a great place. And you can find all of my books listed and the reading order of my series and everything over at sarahcannon.com. And then if you, you know, if you happen to be writing a novel and want to check out some productivity tips and writing tips, you can head to YouTube at Heart Breathings. Awesome. Thanks again for joining us, Sarah. It was great catching up with you. So nice to be here. Thank you. I can't believe we haven't had Sarah on the show sooner because that was such an amazing interview. Uh, she's very at ease with the, with the process and really was just great hearing about the stuff she writes about and her inspirations and all of it. Yeah, whole thing. The, the author journey, the, the starting off as a singer, I did not know that bit of trivia. I didn't realize she wanted to be a singer and was pursuing that career before pivoting into author, fiction author. And then on top of that, doubling down, now she's a nonfiction author at the same time. I mean, no wonder she created a productivity course. She's doing so much. Yeah, a lot going on. And she's uh, even got some a new series she's launching this year in her Shadow Demon saga. So you'll have to check that out. We'll have links to Sarah's website and everything we talked about with her in the show notes. You can find that over at jamiedavisbooks.com. There's a link at the top of the page for the podcast. Or if you're on a mobile device, there's a drop-down menu. Just click on podcast. And you can go right to the most recent episode. And we hope you uh, subscribe while you're there. Scott, why don't you share with the listeners how they can get in touch with you and follow what you're up to? Yeah, please go to scottiswriting.com. That's my website. And I am Scott is writing on all the major social media platforms. How about you, Jamie? Well, you can check out my brand new fun fantasy family community over at the Ream site. And you can get there by clicking the link on my webpage, which will be there very soon if it isn't already. And uh, you can also head directly there and get two free short stories following the page at jamiedavisbooks.com slash family. Until next time, I'm Jamie Davis. And I'm Scott Walker, and we're asking you to keep on reading and keep on listening right here to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast.